Welcome to the first episode of What I'm Obsessed With Now, with your friendly host and obsessive, Byron. That's me. What I'm Obsessed With Now is here to look at a fascinating subject with intensity, and then move on to the next obsessively interesting thing. If you are like me, you move from subject to subject with ferocity. That's the method behind the madness of the podcast. What can you expect from the podcast? Don't expect anything. We will jump around, only stopping on things that grab our attention. To that end, if you have a fascinating subject, send it in. Links in the show notes or find us on the socials. In upcoming episodes, you will find subjects as diverse as serial killers and stand-ups, reality TV and the concept of reality, or psychics and psychology. So go ahead, subscribe and be obsessively entertained. Now onto our first obsessive subject, and this one's a biggie. It's also making news in the dumpster fire we call the year 2020. Conspiracy theories. Those weird and wonderful thoughts that tell us the truth is out there and what you see is not what you get. Look around you. Are you alone? Are you sure? Are you in public and being followed? Turn around. Who's there? Is someone watching? (coughs) No, probably not. I mean... You can be paranoid and right, but unlikely. I wouldn't say I'm the paranoid type, but on more than one occasion, I have thought I was being followed. And then I thought to myself, why would a shadowy organisation take an interest in me, unless I still haven't discovered my true identity? Okay, so before we move on, a couple of ground rules for this and the next few episodes. You heard right, this obsession is so interesting, it deserves four episodes. Gotta start big. Ground rules before I get distracted. These conspiracy theories will be fun. No politics or anti-Semitism, which has taken over the subject. I want to go back to a time where they were fun, where they made you think to yourself, if only, instead of, oh God, I hope not. I hope you all agree with me that you'd like to go back to a time before, to a joyous time filled with little green men and big hairy ones. And no, I don't mean a sci-fi gay bar. So let's go back to a happier time, A weird time, and an utterly strange time. Why am I obsessed with conspiracy theories? Well, they are fun. I am a very logical person. I like to look at the facts. You might ask, why do I love conspiracy theories if I'm logical? Conspiracy theories are logical if you squint. I'm also a creative person. What we can do with facts, conspiracy, and a little bit of mystery is amazing. Conspiracy theories are an escape from the world, and reading people's accounts, it seems to be a common part of the allure. Growing up was tough, and to look into the sky, seeing a light, and thinking of a world out there gave me hope. The logical side of my brain said it was just a plane, but there was always a voice that said, what if? It brought magic to the world. It is the thing that has kept me moving forward and always striving for more. What if dreams come true? If aliens are possible, then so is the chance of being a writer. It is the possibility, not needing to be realised, but always there to strive to. That is why I love conspiracy theories. We all want to live in a world of mystery, where love is more than a chemical reaction in your brain. That is the world I love to live in. And that is the world the fun conspiracy theories exist within. 
But like love, conspiracy theories can take a turn, and we need to always be on the lookout. Possibilities are what I have always strived for. And when I was a kid looking into the sky, I wouldn't have imagined that I could afford a microphone, much less use that microphone to speak to you. Which, in itself, is magical. Let's go into the world of possibilities and conspiracy theories. The first question that may come to mind is what is a conspiracy theory? It's one of those things that you know, but when you try to describe it, it's harder than you thought. The place to start is with a dictionary definition. So let's take a look through my library for the perfect book. Ah, here we go. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a conspiracy theory as a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as the result of a secret plot by usually powerful conspirators. While this is a good place to start, I don't think it captures all of what we would consider a conspiracy theory. A large portion of conspiracy theories fit into this category. But for me, the most interesting don't necessarily centre around one event. What this definition misses, and what I am really interested in, is conspiracy theories that create belief around creatures, beings, or things that don't necessarily impact your daily life. This is because they have the fun of conspiracy theories without the downside of ruining families. Looking at you, weird Q people. I like to see conspiracy theories as a way to explain the unexplainable, or rather those are the ones I like to look at. This is much more fun than trying to explain what is already explained by employing complex and clearly false means. The dictionary tells us conspiracy theories are used to explain events. That explains part of the story, but misses a wider group of theories explaining phenomena, creatures, and what sits beyond our understanding of the natural world. So to sum up, it's complex. It can explain nature, an event, events, or phenomena. It can disprove a known fact or prove an unknown one. It can be a bit of fun and it can be dangerous. Conspiracy theories reflect us, complex and if we're not careful, dangerous. But who believes conspiracy theories and why? I'm glad you asked. I know I said that we weren't going to dip into politics. And we aren't, except for the next little bit. I only bring it up here to say that no ideology or political party is above belief in conspiracy theories. Anti-Semitism is rife on both sides of the aisle. Hate is not the beholder of any type of people or persons. So before you judge the ridiculous belief of the opposition, just remember it's only a matter of time before your side comes to outshine. I will say though, there is one side that seems to believe in conspiracy theories more so at the moment in particular. The unscientific theories, you know, the ones about global warming, landing on the earth, the earth being flat, the crazy ones. And while I'm not going to mention who they are, we all know. I asked this of them. Can you just stop? It really takes the fun out of conspiracy theories if you boil the earth or say, let a pandemic go crazy. So back to the question, who believes? Well, anyone really. And it is a function of the way we think and why we as a species are successful. Think about the last time you were outside and looked to the sky and saw a dog in the clouds. We are always trying to make sense of the world. Dogs where they don't belong, and connections everywhere. In a way, conspiracy theories aren't a sign of a dull mind, but a curious one. Some a little too curious, but curious nonetheless. 
The fact that we constantly look for connections has resulted in our advancement. Our brains love making sense of things, and when something doesn't make sense, we feverishly try to make it. It makes sense then that at times of crisis, conspiracy theories grow in number. Say right about now, when we are in a global pandemic, with economies around the world collapsing and people going through the worst hardships of their life, we want to see a connection to make sense of the world, to make sense of what's happening to us. The truth that events are largely random is terrifying, but understanding it's really because a group of people want to spread the virus in an attempt to hide that 5G is causing the real illness, well, that's all down to money. We understand greed. Let's be honest, we're all a bit greedy, and perhaps there is a bit of projection going on. It's harder to believe that a random mutation of a virus was just so that it jumped to humans, then one human randomly was in contact with another and another and another, and then, with a random boom, we have a pandemic. Thinking about that can make your mind hurt. Trying to think about true randomness is antithetical to the human experience. Now back to understanding conspiracy theories better and no more of the virus that shall not be named. So everyone does or can believe in conspiracy theories. And I think that to a large extent, we all do engage with conspiracy thought. How serious or true we believe it? Well, that varies. Our awareness dictates our reaction. But if everyone indulges, why do some believe it's so much stronger and with more conviction? The first and least interesting is something we already touched on. Greed. Some people claim to believe to sell to others. We're seeing lots of that at the moment. It's been with conspiracy theory as long as the first caveman, upon hearing about fire, was sure it was the work of the mole he saw next to a burning bush. Those who said it was because of the light from the sky, they're crazy. Light from the sky, imagine how crazy you had to be to believe that. No, he knew the truth and was going to whack every mole he saw. And for a small fee, he would sell you a mole whacker too. Only he knew the secret on the way to make them magical mole-proof. Now, where was I? Moles. No, wait, great. There are many people who are clearly there to sell a book or a t-shirt or a divining rod or a mole whacker. They probably don't believe themselves, which is all the more insulting. But where there is a way to take other people's money, greed will always be there. I think the most complete reason is control. We don't like to be out of control. Randomness is a lack of control. It is more than just whether the world out there is out of control. It is about the control we feel in ourselves. If you're out of control, money, health, love, moles, to think someone out there has a plan is comforting. To think that you were afflicted because of chance, that's just insulting. But the reason your life isn't going well is because someone controls it. While it doesn't solve your problem, it gives you someone to fight against. I read an interesting article from Scientific America, which talks about the impact of anxiety and belief in conspiracy theories. Those who have anxiety were more likely to have a belief in conspiracy theories. While it does make me think believing in some conspiracies would make me anxious, this link is an interesting one. Anxiety is like fearing the dark. You don't always know what you are fearing, but you are fearing nonetheless. That is why it's a horrible condition. It doesn't need a reason, it doesn't need a negative stimulus to occur, but it is inflamed by them. Conspiracy theories can go away to explaining the darkness, and that can be reassuring, 
if only for a moment. These are some reasons why someone might believe, but why do people continue to? And with such intensity, when the same belief proves harmful or plain wrong, it reminds me of the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve. It's a flat earther doco, and if you believe in the theory at the end of it, you're a lost cause. There is a part where they perform an experiment, two slits separated by distance, shoot a laser through one, the laser travels straight. If the earth is flat, the laser will go through the first and out the second. If the earth is curved, hint, it is, then it won't go through the second. So they shoot the laser and it doesn't go out the other side. Proves the earth is curved. Or does it? Confused looks all around and then cut to the next scene where they try to explain their failure. So why do these people continue to believe, even when they create the proof against it themselves? I think the reason belief continues is because of two things, confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance. Confirmation bias is when someone has a theory and then only looks at or accepts evidence which proves that theory. This is essentially opposite to the scientific method. This can be thought of as the mechanism that creates the strength of belief. If you only look at confirming evidence and outright dispute evidence to the contrary, how can you be wrong? Confirmation bias is frustrating when you encounter it in others because your belief proves their belief and you really have to resist slapping them. This doesn't help the situation, or so I've been told. We all experience this though. It's a matter of magnitude. Think about something you love, sports, a TV show, or in my case, my little chihuahua Lily. The only evidence that I accept is the kind that proves what an angel she is. And just between you and I, she might be a genius. If you don't see it or try to prove different, you just don't understand her. That would be my confirmation bias. I mean, it's not a great example because it's true, but you get the point. We can all experience it but not generally at the level that someone seeing an experiment they designed proved them wrong and continued to believe. The next thing that I think causes belief to continue, and in this case increase in strength, is cognitive dissonance. This occurs when someone holds two or more beliefs that are in conflict. The brain really hates having a conflict of belief and will do some pretty impressive gymnastics to rebalance the system. Again, we all hold these and it may come from religion, sports, or a little chihuahua named Lily. Hypothetical exercise. She is an angel. This we already know. And she's perfect in every way. Truth. She also barks at anyone that walks by the house and will not shut up no matter what you do. And if you give her a time out, she'll poop near the door so it smears when you open it. And then we'll give you a look of satisfaction. Now those two things are in conflict. But what you don't understand is she's a genius. Her barking is there to protect the family, like a good girl would. And the pooping. Hmm. That's a... Okay, have it. I mean, she does that because our safety is important and she needs us to understand just how serious it is. Boom. My wife says she does it out of spite, but I know she wants us to understand the seriousness of the situation. I mean, hypothetically. Confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance are the one-two punch of belief, proving and then embedding. These two don't just act on conspiracy theory belief, but on all areas of belief. Politics and religion springs to mind. 
So keep a lookout for it in yourself. Now, when it comes to the more dangerous conspiracy theories or when you might be falling into a hole, how do you combat it? Critical thinking. Let's go back to the library and pull out a definition from Oxford Languages. Extra refined. They give this definition. The objective analysis and evaluation of an issue in order to form a judgment. Critical thinking. I think the key word there is objective. And while the term might sound simple, the application is anything but. Critical thinking is at war with confirmation bias for supremacy. I think the best way to think about it is to be sceptical. Take a stance of no, you prove it. Scepticism seems to have taken on a bit of a negative light, but I'm not sure what we've got going on in society right now that is working. But it's not right to say that all conspiracy theories are wrong. Just because it's a conspiracy theory doesn't prove it as being incorrect. An open mind, remember? I'd like to have a look at those conspiracy theories that actually turned out to be true, where critical thinking proved what many thought was in the realm of fantasy. I know I said we'd only talk about fun conspiracy theories, but the next are an exception for two reasons. One, it's really hard to find fun and true conspiracy theories. And if a conspiracy theory turns out to be true, is it technically a conspiracy theory anymore? Well, buckle in and prepare to have your mind blown. There's an adage that you can be paranoid and right. It is the same with conspiracy theories. They aren't inherently wrong because they are unfounded. That's not the same as saying they're right. Far from it. Usually they are clearly wrong or so absurd they aren't worth indulging. All that being said, there are some that were right. Not necessarily to the word, but in essence they are right. Now I tried to keep with the theme of only having the fun ones, but none of the ones which turned out to be true were fun. So I tried to keep it interesting at the very least. Let's jump right in. The first is the theory that during Prohibition, the United States government poisoned alcohol supplies. The fact that this one turned out to be true and the number of government-based conspiracy theories turning out to be right sheds a light on why there is so much distrust in the government today. This one sounds awful. Well, it really is awful. But it is more true-ish than true. Now, the theory would have you believe the FBI was cloaked in black and snuck into bootlegger warehouses and tipped cyanide into the still. But no, a bit more complicated. This is why I like unproven conspiracy theories. The ones that turn out to be true are usually a bit more boring. Here's what actually happened. At the time of prohibition, these crafty bootleggers would use industrial alcohol, do some magic, and then hey presto, whiskey. The government caught wind of this. My best reasoning is that they were annoyed at the breaking of the law and missed taxes. Therefore, they mandated the following. Toxic additives were to be added to industrial alcohol. They didn't do it by cloak and dagger, adding poison from bottles with skulls and crossbones on them. They did it by regulation. This is often seen in the proven conspiracy. Boring application, devastating consequences. That being said, it is a true statement to say the government knowingly acted in a way that would hurt their public. Now, as an Australian, it baffles the mind that you would prohibit alcohol. 
I mean, we are a relaxed people by and large, but I could imagine some incredibly pissed off people if you tried. For God's sake, most of our prime ministers have a story about them getting hammered in office. People don't clutch at pearls, they go to the polls and vote them in again. For God's sake, our queen is a bit of a rummy, or rather a ginny. That's how I know she's not a reptile. They die if you give them alcohol. Our second true spiracy, I'm sure that some conspiracy groups use this without irony, please note my giant helping, is that the government collected body parts to test atomic bombs. Horrific, right? Then I thought, that ain't so strange. We use bodies in body farms to test decomposition. Hold on, writing down body farms for a future episode. But then this story gets weirder. Body snatchers weirder. I mean, the first time I heard this, I was like, what? They're blowing up corpses? That sounds like the start of a zombie movie. You know, radioactive zombies. Then I was like, wait, actual body snatchers. They took bodies from countries like England and yours truly's hometown of Australia. Many of these were children and babies. 1,500 were donated without consent and only 500 used. The reason why bodies were stolen, let's say that again, the reason why bodies were stolen was because the top guy couldn't work out how to get bodies legitimately. AEC Commissioner Dr. Willard Libby was like, can't work out how to get these dead bodies by the book, so if you guys could sort that out, that'd be great. And here is a quote you wouldn't think a government official would say. Remember, not Jeffrey Dahmer, a government official. I don't know how to get them, but I do say it is a matter of prime importance to get them, and particularly in the young age group. So, human samples are often of prime importance, and if anybody knows how to do a good job of body snatching, they will really be serving their country. Okay, I pay taxes and follow the law. For the most part, I would consider myself a good citizen. And what you're telling me is all I needed to do was steal a body or two. These two conspiracies show you that you can be paranoid and right. This gives me some hope anyway, because I would love to be wrong about aliens walking among us. If you are an alien, send me an email. Now this was just a cursory look, and I might re-look at these in the future, but I would say to go and do some reading. It is fascinating. I mean, body snatches. On with the show. The conspiracy theories in the upcoming episodes are what I would consider fun. They're the ones I loved as a kid and kept growing with. But you may be asking, what is the difference between a fun and dangerous conspiracy theory? Well, according to me anyway. A dangerous conspiracy theory is one that removes from you. That could be mental health, respect from others, or your family and friends. It's an arithmetic. When you look at your engagement with a conspiracy theory, at the end of the day, is your life more or less full? I can imagine it's hard to view this when you dive deeply, and those who have mental health issues are susceptible. But I would say if you believe, and it makes you more anxious and scared of life, give it up. Even if it was right, most of these conspiracies are in the shadow and won't impact your day-to-day life. And what's more, the majority of them will never be proven. Happiness is better than being right. Your family is better than belief. Don't mistake a sense of acceptance, which comes from a shared sense of doom, from one that comes from love. What's a fun conspiracy theory then? It's one that adds to you. 
It's the flip side to that equation. It adds to your life, and for me, the addition has been that sense of what if, and energising my creativity. I'm a writer by passion, and conspiracy theories provide a wide open space to create a world within. Going down threads to discover what other people can create with the same basic principles that you have, that's just fascinating. It also gave me and my friends hours of stupid conversations that sometimes led into serious ones. The unexpected positives can really add to your life. As a teenage boy and as a grown man, we don't really open up to each other. But chatting into the night about the world up there and what could be walking in the bushes around us turned into chats about what is happening in our heads. The fun conspiracy theories are not all consuming. They leave space for more. They start a conversation and lead to fun and memories. That is the difference between fun and dangerous. And seriously, what is more fun than discussing little green men and arguing in all seriousness whether they would come in peace? A glimpse into the heart of those arguing the little man's motives. So from here on out, we will talk about fun conspiracies. And with some fun people. And smart. And as with all the episodes to come, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the subject. Jump on one of the socials and have a conversation. Maybe an argument, but be nice or I'll get one of those little green men to visit you. What can you expect to be coming on up? This is number one of a four-parter because it's a huge subject. Not all will be this big, but you have to start with fireworks and what is more eye-catching than UFOs. That's the first in our series on conspiracy theories and one of the subjects that is most fun to talk about. We will then move our eyes from the stars and into the woods or forests around the world. The third episode in the series will look at our favourite tall, hairy friend. I don't mean Chewbacca, I mean Bigfoot. Bigfoot is fun to delve into, and we will join that swamp party. In the last episode, we will look at some of the smaller conspiracy theories. They deserve a look, but don't necessarily fill up a whole episode. They may in future because I have a feeling we'll be coming back to conspiracy theories. So much fun and frankly ridiculous details coming up. Stories you don't want to miss out on. So subscribe to what I'm obsessed with now. Share what you're obsessed with and you might see it on a future episode. To catch all the future episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcasting app. Leave a rating for the show to grow this obsessive community. Follow the socials and join your fellow obsessives. Links are all in the show notes. But until next time, I'm Byron, I'm not a lizard person, and I'll speak to you on the next episode. Written, produced, and edited by Byron Gatt for Pinchicus Media. Sound designed by Lily and Fred. They designed Barking, I edited it out. Check out the full credits in the show notes and how to get in touch. Music from mixit.co.